Tuesday, the 9th of January. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, you created all things and pronounced them good. Fill us with respect for the work of your hands. Blessed is your holy and glorious name, you created male and female in your image. Fill us with respect for our brothers and sisters. Blessed are you in the firmament of heaven, you reign over all creation. Fill us with reverence for you, who alone are God. O God, you are over all, in all, beyond all. Open our eyes to see the wonders that surround us. Open our hearts to know the wonders of our brothers and sisters. Open our lips to sing your praise. Restore all peoples in your image, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A good morning to you all. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for listening here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. And you can find that in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, we'll talk to Father Boniface Hicks, get some thoughts from him on prayer as we kick off 2024. Marlon De La Torre will be uh, joining us from the Diocese of Columbus. Also, John Kramer, you may know him from the Lego Church Project. We'll talk about uh, not only uh, the latest things he's been working on, but also how he's using that project to raise awareness uh, for how we can be a better help to our brothers and sisters with disabilities, especially as the weather gets crazy this time of year. And then Father Augustine Weta has more Desert Father wisdom and old monk stories. So, Stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Reflecting on the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, Pope Francis called for true peace around the world as he addressed members of the diplomatic corps accredited to the Holy See in his annual State of the World address yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Peace, he said, is primarily a gift of God, for it is he who left us his peace. Yet it is also a responsibility incumbent upon all of us. He said he is concerned that the war between Israel and Hamas could spread in the wider Middle East, and he called for a ceasefire on every front, including Lebanon. Modern warfare, the Holy Father said, often does not distinguish between military and civilian objectives, and there is no no conflict that does not end up in some way indiscriminately striking the civilian population. The events in Ukraine and Gaza are proof of this, he said. And he reminded the diplomats that grave violations of international humanitarian law are war crimes and that it is not sufficient to point them out, but also necessary to prevent them. He talked about conflicts in Africa and Asia, about the migration crisis in the Mediterranean, in the United States and Latin America. He referred to climate change and he decried the persecution of Christians and religious minorities. 
There is need for a greater effort on the part of the international community, the Pope said, to defend and implement humanitarian law, which seems to be the only way to ensure the defense of human dignity in situations of warfare. The Pope did not neglect to condemn a resurgence of anti-Semitism, and he upheld dialogue and interreligious dialogue as a crucial element in the pursuit of peace. And noting that peace can only be achieved if the root causes are tackled, he reiterated his proposal to establish a fund where money saved by reducing weapons stockpiles could be channeled into projects to eliminate hunger and tackle poverty. I'm Linda Bordoni. Also in that address, Pope Francis called for a global ban on surrogacy. In his prepared remarks yesterday, the Holy Father described the practice of surrogate motherhood as deplorable. He said a child should not be turned into an object of trafficking and he says the practice is a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child. He added that children should not be the basis of a commercial contract. This is not the first time the Holy Father has made such comments. In 2022, the Holy Father said surrogacy exploits women, especially poor women, and that children are treated as commodities. In other news, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli officials in Tel Aviv today as part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from spreading further in the region. It's Blinken's fourth trip to the Middle East since the Palestinian group carried out a wave of deadly attacks inside Israel on October 7th. That led to an all-out war that has killed more than 20,000 and displaced millions. Blinken has vowed to continue to urge Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do more to protect Palestinian civilians and make sure that humanitarian aid gets to those who need it. Both United and Alaska Airlines said yesterday they found loose bolts during inspections of its 737 MAX 9 fleet. Mark Mayfield reports. The inspections came after a door plug was blown out of an Alaska Airlines plane over the weekend. United said these findings will be remedied by our tech ops team to safely return the aircraft to service. Alaska Airlines issued a statement saying technicians saw some loose hardware visible on some planes, although a formal inspection has not yet begun. Hundreds of Alaska Airlines passengers still remain stranded after the FAA regrounded all Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft. I'm Mark Mayfield. A lunar lander mission is being scrapped after suffering a critical malfunction less than a day after launch. Astrobotic Technology was trying to become the first private company to land on the moon, but the Peregrine spacecraft was hit with propulsion issues shortly after launch yesterday, keeping the vehicle from charging its batteries and causing a fuel leak. And the Michigan Wolverines are the college football playoff national champions. Michigan defeated Washington 34-13 in the championship game at NRG Stadium in Houston. The Wolverines earned their first national title since 1997. Washington suffered its first loss of the season as the team fell to 14-1. and Glad I went to bed when I did. To see all season, say all season, Anna Mitchell. Stop it, Matt. You know, the Michigan Wolverines are national champions. The national. Why champions. are you doing that to me? You know, I'm, I'm not, so nice to you me. about your your volunteers. You are, and I and don't. There's really no reason. To I be. don't rub in anything about Alabama or Florida or you know any of, of your rivals. None of them. None of them were even in the 
in the big game, Anna Mitchell. Well, yeah. So I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, congratulations. I know there are a lot of Michigan fans listening, especially those in the Ave Maria Radio family of stations. So uh, congratulations to the the Ann Arbor listenership and beyond, because I know that fanship. You'll have to congratulate Steve Ray next hour. Yeah, maybe so. If he watches, Steve Ray is probably more cheers for like, you know. His, was it his son-in-law? His son-in-law was speaking to me through Steve Ray when the the game was coming up. So I guess congratulations to Steve Ray's son-in-law. To all who celebrate. That's what we'll (laughs) say. Congratulations on the Michigan victory to all who celebrate. We thank you for joining us on this Tuesday, the 9th of January. It is eight minutes past the hour. Right now, we're joined by uh, Father Boniface Hicks. He's online at fatherboniface.org. He's the co-author of Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. Father Boniface, good morning. Good morning, Mac. Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. And since you wrote, I won't say you wrote the book on prayer, but you wrote a book on prayer, uh, at least. Uh, when it comes to the new year, I think all of us want to do better in this area. What are some uh, common pitfalls that people fall into when they try and overhaul their prayer routine in the new year? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, I'm delighted if people want to do better as we go into the new year. I, I think uh, having the desire is actually the first point. And, and sometimes if Sometimes if we've uh, run into some discouragement, we've tried to start and failed in the past, we might be tempted to uh, give up or lower our standards or, or not begin again, not try again. And uh, I guess that would be one of the first pitfalls is to not even try. Uh, but uh, if, if you do have the desire to grow in prayer, grow closer to the Lord, and um, this is a, a great time to start, new beginnings are always helpful, and and kind of uh, doing it when everybody else is doing it is also helpful. I, uh, I'm I'm the spiritual guide for Exodus 90 this year, so I'm. Uh, I'm yeah, that was going to be another of question and... of mine, right? Because you know, it's one thing to do it solo; it's another thing to have a crowd around you when you're trying to pull this off. Yeah, that's right, and uh, and so it's been helpful for me. I mean, I'm a Benedictine monk; I have been for 25 years, but I also can. Uh, uh, get, get a little sloppy around the edges, and, and doing it together with others can be a real support. It motivates you in some of those little micro-decisions to say, no, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to skip that, I'm not going to snooze that, uh, whatever it is. And uh, having the support of, of uh, brothers and sisters in faith is a, is a real help in, in moving forward. And then, I guess I would say, you know, not setting... Uh, unrealistic goals. I mean, if you've started and failed numerous times in the past, um, maybe something a little bit more modest that you can incrementally, it's incremental progress is an amazing thing. If you're, you know, zero plus zero is zero, but zero plus 0.1 plus 0.1 plus 0.1 really adds up in a not, in in a reasonable amount of time. So just one step, what's one thing, what's one uh, you know, one one more, whatever, another minute, uh, another passage of Scripture, another uh, decade of the Rosary, whatever it is, just an incremental progress can make a huge difference. I think Father Mike Schmitz has shown us that with the Bible in a year, catechism in a year, 
if you just do one thing a day, you can cover a lot of ground. You definitely can. Uh, I say that as a person who is involved with a daily morning show, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> this is part of our goal is to take, you know, a little bit of a nugget from every conversation and, and help share it. Uh, but I know that there are some people who are uh, dedicated prayers of the rosary. Maybe they pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet every single day at three. Maybe they do a weekly holy hour, but they might feel a little bit stalled out, right? They might not feel like, you know, there's a bunch of emotional constellation coming from that. Not that that's the measure of any of this, uh, but maybe they just want to grow a little bit, right? They just want to take what they're already doing and just figure out a way to to really take another step forward in in that intimacy with God and that relationship with Christ. For a person who's already on that praying path, what would you say to them? Yeah, and I think it's really important to uh, to bring that out, Matt, and, uh, and I'm glad that you did. Uh, it's not just about adding more stuff. Uh, you might feel kind of maxed mm-hmm. out, uh, and, and so it's, that's, uh, going deeper is also uh, a, a really important pathway. And uh, I guess I, I would uh, maybe look at that from two different points. One is, you know, you can always ask the Lord, <laughs> I'd really love to go deeper, um, just getting in touch with the desires of your heart, getting into the more vulnerable places in the heart, and bringing those into your prayer is, uh, is the pathway to go deeper. So uh, maybe it's just expressing that and asking the Lord for His help. Uh, it also can be sometimes we feel stalled out because there are parts of our lives that we're, we're not bringing into prayer. We, we don't think like they belong there or we they're not worthy of God, or they're not that interesting. Um, maybe there are, uh, as I said, little little desires, uh, little parts of us that that uh, we kind of leave at the door, and we try to bring uh, our routine, or um, we try to accomplish something. But you know, maybe it's a little fear, a little hope, a little dream, a, a little sadness. Uh, uh, these are these are some of the things that you might bring into prayer uh, in a new way, um, and. You know, things like retreats are also real helpful for breaking through. Sometimes the the routine needs to be broken, and uh, having a, having a little an extra day of recollection or a weekend retreat can also help to break through the routine a little bit. Well, lastly, and just with a moment left here, uh, there may be some people tuning in who maybe grew up going to Mass and haven't been back for a while, or they came back to Mass for Christmas, or they're thinking about going back to Mass in the new year. What would you say to them to, um, if they've been away from the sacrament for, for a while, and all their other self-improvement and overhauls, to consider coming back to the sacrament of confession? Yeah, this is your year. Now is the time. It's... Uh... It's so exciting. You know, there's a lot of things that hold us back, but uh, take that step. Uh, the, the priest will receive you with great delight if you've been away for uh, a while, especially, and uh, it, it's a huge thing. Probably if you're in that position, you've thought about it a lot of times, so do it. Go to your local church good and, and go to confession. <laughs> well, the priest receives me usually with great delight, even though it's usually only been about two weeks. So uh, I can tell <laughs> also <ya>. true. <laughs> if you've been if you've been away significantly longer than that, um, he's going to be excited to talk to you. So thank you so much, Father Boniface Hicks, and uh, we've got your book, Personal Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Matt. Thanks so much. 
All right, it is a quarter past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because, if you look in the Catechism, you will see the fruits of Holy Communion. And these are remarkable things that we can receive at every Mass that we attend. We encounter the risen Lord, and He shares something of His divine life and love with us. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 17 pastors, Anna with headlines. Reflecting on the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, Pope Francis called for true peace around the world as he addressed members of the diplomatic corps accredited to the Holy See yesterday. Also in that address, the Holy Father called for a global ban on surrogacy. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli officials in Tel Aviv today. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, uh, those watching on the live stream will know that I look a little strange because I'm in a hotel room. I'm actually in St. Gabriel Radio Country today and tomorrow. Nice. Recording some uh, upcoming episodes of The Journey Home for the New Year, including one with our old friends Greg and Jennifer Willits. Oh, nice. uh, Who you know from the Rosary Army and, you know, various projects over the years. Uh but if you're watching on the live stream also, I'm, I'm not going to make any hardcore promises, but, I, you know, we're talking to John Kramer from the Lego Church Project later in the hour. Mm-hmm. I think Travis is going to try and get a bunch of pictures of some of his Lego Church builds up cool. on the live stream if you want to see them. So uh, tune wanna, in. want to keep, keep people in on that. That's awesome. Keep people in on that. But uh, but yeah, um, it's uh it's an exciting time to you know to hear people's stories and so it's kind of fun when you meet people in person i think uh, sometimes people are under the impression when they hear everybody on the radio that we're all like kind of in like the same room together uh, when in fact like there are like all these people that we've never met in person never before in <laughs> we yeah. just know and and love and appreciate luckily uh, you and i have met in real life you and the listeners right that's right but uh 
Yeah, and it, it's it's so rare to even meet the listeners, and that's always kind of a fun thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really I think fun I to get. To I just before. got a Christmas card from a listener today. Did you? Yeah. Those things like really Thank warm you, my Thank you, Carlisle heart. family. Oh, that's awesome. Just send uh, it in. You know, it's, that's nice. It's funny because sometimes and I think I've mentioned this before. Sometimes listeners get excited to meet us. And I feel weird because I think I'm more excited to meet them mm-hmm. because, you know, you we listen. can't see any of you all. You really we listen. We can't see any of you all. There's no proof until we get the Christmas card that anybody's actually listening. So it's it's very thrilling when we meet someone actually, that's, that's heard of us. It really us. is. It really is. But you have heard of us. You have heard of us. <laughs> so thank you. Yes. To all of you. Thank you. Who do those kind of words. And you can Absolutely. always weigh in on the... Uh, on the video chat or send us a note uh, through sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, subscribe to the show notes and you can get uh, them delivered to your inbox daily along with the prayers that we use uh, from time to time in the mornings. And uh, later in the week, you'll get a Rita Heikenfeld recipe. Which is always... To your inbox as well. Worth the price of the ticket right there. There is no price. ...are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. When we go by a business and see the words under new management, we expect that there are things that are going to be different there. There are going to be new faces and fresh ideas and a new beginning. Paul recognizes that this is what happens through baptism in Jesus Christ. He writes in the second letter to Corinthians chapter 5, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once regarded Christ from a human point of view, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul's insight is that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed the meaning and destiny of the whole world. The cosmos is under new management. God has given back in Christ what we had lost through sin. And he not only gives it back, he elevates men and women to the unheard dignity of the sons and daughters of God. Death now marks the beginning of everlasting life. A world that previously offered despair now offers hope. The division brought about at the Tower of Babel has been destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit, which speaks the common language of grace. Every person is capable of hearing if they're willing to listen to it. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us today on a Tuesday morning. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. 
So church teaching on sexuality mm. is certainly making the headlines lately. Um, there's really, I mean, really no way to cover everything in a short segment like what we have. Absolutely. But Absolutely. I want to start here. Okay. Why does the church care at all about sexuality? Oh, gosh, it's a beautiful question. Uh, because we're, we're creatures meant to be intimate first and foremost with God, and two, we want to be sure that that intimacy is always properly ordered. And what, I'm, what I mean by intimacy is that you, you try to always seek the will and the good of the other person. So if God's intention was to, to make man, and to make man and woman specifically, it, it, to have a, a perfect continence or a perfect relationship or a covenant, and that was ruptured, then after that rupture, we are given the opportunity to continue to recover that sacredness and that beauty. Uh, sexuality is sometimes misinterpreted as purely carnal. Well, there is an element of, of carnality there. Yes, of course, there is an intimacy that, that's sexual. But the reality is, prior to that, what animates that, what drives us, is the fact that, that we see each other as perfectly valuable human beings, that we are gifts, and that those gifts and talents manifest themselves in a way where we, we care, we love, we defend, we nurture, we nourish, and all those things are beautiful. That's why the Church puts a great emphasis on human sexuality, because it's not just the aspect or the act itself, it's everything behind it that leads to that, that if properly ordered, there is a greater good, a good of love of spouses, and from that love of spouse you have this love of, of, of the greatness and beauty of children, and then you have the beauty of family. And so there's so many things tied to human sexuality that people tend to forget, oh, no, it's just, why are you bothering, why are you interfering with our personal love life? That's not it. It's basically enhancing and making sure that you properly are ordered to love somebody in a sacrificial way. And so those are all the beautiful elements tied to human sexuality that people tend to forget. Well, you use some key words there, like spouses, for instance, Marlon. At the core, why is sex meant to be between a husband and wife? Gosh, because when you look at the complementarity of, of a man and woman, if you put that complement under the bonds of an umbrella of, say, a covenant or marital covenant, there's something beautiful there. There's something so unique and so distinct. The Church recognizes that as the bride of Christ. And being the Church, being the bride, she recognizes that looking at her spouse, Jesus Christ, there is a beautiful uh, relationship. We have a covenant. We have beautiful continents here that says, oh, my goodness, I love you. Oh, my Lord, I love you. And so when you look at men and women, you see the will of each other of uh, being offering or giving to one another in perfect humility, in perfect love, charity, and uh, perfect faith. And so the Church recognizes that covenant, and that bond is vital for society. It's vital for the properly ordered human condition. Without it, we can't continue. The Church recognizes that. And so... Uh, this gift of sexuality is part of that beautiful covenantal element that allows men and women under the bonds of matrimony to continue to grow, nourish, mature, and really uh, promote Christ uh, very accordingly. And we see the model of the Holy Family of serving as that beautiful gift of relationship that exists that the Church brings forth to us each day. And yet, as you, <clears throat> excuse me, and yet, as you say, um, there is that element of carnality, which means that yeah. there can be a lot of temptations for mm-hmm. us humans who 
like pleasurable things. And you've mm-hmm. got a, a helpful list over at Knowing is Doing with catechism references of mm-hmm. what you call it warning signs. I liked how you put that warning yeah. signs that you're moving <laughs> into sinful territory as it pertains to sexuality. So tell us about that. You know, it's uh, because we're sexual creatures, and if not properly disposed to be sacrificial or to give to sexuality, um, certain things can happen, uh, like the sin of lust, where you begin to lose your inhibition, and all you see is that is that physicality of the human being, and that you're only attracted to having your, your sexual desires satisfied in a physical way, or uh, having a disordered arousal, where instead of, say, for example, gazing at the beauty of your wife, or you're thinking of something else that's not holy, um, that there could be a problem, or that the pleasure of just simply being around another human being, of being around your spouse, or say you have an engaged couple listening to this right now, that it's not enough just to be in the presence of the person and admire and affirm. You need something beyond that. that that's a disordered pleasure, that you're not really respecting the dignity of the human person. And what happens is if, if you cross that line, if your intellect will become so desperate for that, then you have the manifestation of evil. Now your intentions are no longer pure holy. Now you have an evil intent, and, and that evil intent is to satisfy your personal uh, urge, whatever that may be, and then it really reduces the person to a mere object of pleasure. And then if that's not satisfied, then sadness takes over. And, and that's really when you have the problem, that if you're not happy being around the presence of somebody, uh, that you need something else, we've got an issue there. 20 seconds or less. Is it controllable? It is. Absolutely. If, if, you, if your aim is to sacrifice and not seek something in return, absolutely. Short and sweet. Knowingisdoing.org is where you can go read more of this. Check out those catechism references that I was talking about here with Marlon De La Torre. Knowing is doing is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much, and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks. You can find all of our guests, of course, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Reflecting on the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, Pope Francis called for true peace around the world as he addressed members of the diplomatic corps accredited to the Holy See in what's known as his annual State of the World Address. He made another appeal for disarmament and said how many lives could be saved with the resources that today are misdirected to weaponry. He said, invest those resources in the pursuit of genuine global security and reiterated a a proposal for a global fund to eliminate hunger and promote sustainable development worldwide. The Holy Father decried conflicts around the world, including in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, Syria, Lebanon, Myanmar, and in Armenia. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more on that. During Pope Francis's annual address to the diplomatic court to the Holy See, the Holy Father once again lamented the tense situation in the South Caucasus between Armenia and Azerbaijan, and in particular, the dramatic situation of refugees. He also called for the signing of a peace agreement to ease the ongoing suffering. The Pope appealed for negotiations that respect international law and religious diversity. While peace agreements are under consideration between Azerbaijan and Armenia, the border crisis in the South Caucasus is obstructing advancement. 
In the past 30 years, the South Caucasus neighbors have fought two wars over Nagorno-Karabakh, but staged a prisoner exchange last month and issued a joint statement saying they want to normalize relations and reach a peace deal. Both countries have expressed through senior officials openness to pursuing such a peace agreement. In September, Azerbaijan's forces mounted a lightning offensive to retake control of Azerbaijan's Karabakh region, whose ethnic Armenian population had broken away in a war in the 1990s. The European Union has insisted that Azerbaijan ensure freedom and security of movement along the Lakin Corridor in line with the November 9, 2022 trilateral declaration signed by Russia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. EU officials have warned that blocking the corridor causes significant hardship to the local population and could lead to a serious humanitarian emergency. Azerbaijan has denied blocking the Sol Road that links Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia. In late 2020, Armenia and Azerbaijan fought a six-week war over the region, which claimed over 6,500 lives. I'm Deborah Kesselana Lubov. Also in his State of the World address, Pope Francis called for a global ban on surrogacy. In his prepared remarks, he said he said the practice of surrogate motherhood is deplorable. He said a child should not be turned into an object of trafficking. And he says the practice is a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child. He added that children should not be the basis of a commercial contract. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli officials in Tel Aviv today as part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from spreading further in the region. It's Blinken's fourth trip to the Middle East since Hamas carried out a wave of deadly attacks inside Israel on October 7th. That led to an all-out war, and more than 20,000 people have been killed. Millions have been displaced. Blinken has vowed to continue to urge Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do more to protect Palestinian civilians and make sure that humanitarian aid gets to those who need it. An effort to impeach Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was announced yesterday. Republican Congressman Matt Rosendale of Montana plans to introduce one or more articles of impeachment for high crimes and misdemeanors today. Both United and Alaska Airlines said yesterday they found loose bolts during inspections of its 737 MAX 9 fleet. Mark Mayfield reports. The inspections came after a door plug was blown out of an Alaska Airlines plane over the weekend. United said these findings will be remedied by our tech ops team to safely return the aircraft to service. Alaska Airlines issued a statement saying technicians saw some loose hardware visible on some planes, although a formal inspection has not yet begun. Hundreds of Alaska Airlines passengers still remain stranded after the FAA regrounded all Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft. I'm Mark Mayfield. A lunar lander mission is being scrapped after suffering a critical malfunction less than a day after launch. Astrobotic Technology was trying to become the first private company to land on the moon, but the Peregrine spacecraft was hit with propulsion issues shortly after launch yesterday, keeping the vehicle from charging its batteries and causing a fuel leak. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Baltimore Catechism asks, who can administer baptism? The priest is the ordinary minister of baptism, but in case of a necessity, anyone who has the use of reason may baptize. I was called once, and a man said, my father is dying. He's in a hospital. Can I baptize him? That question was the right question because the man knew that he had the ability to baptize, and yet he still wanted to see if the priest was able to come, and if not, well, then he would help his father achieve that grace that God offers. And this is something that everyone can do, is open up that door of the sacraments so that people might enter into the church and thereby be ready to receive all the graces that God wants to give. So you can't baptize a person against his will. If he wills it, it's an emergency. You can help him. Let us ask the Lord then to help us to be prepared to baptize in case of necessity and thereby help people reach the heaven to which God calls them. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, January the 9th. And... Uh, if you're looking for a good Twitter follow, go check out John Kramer and the Lego Church Project. He's also got a Substack and a Facebook page where he, uh, for a number of years now, has been building churches in Lego, and they're really cool. John, great to have you back on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. All right, so to refresh people's memories, what is the Lego Church Project about, and what season are you on right now? I have been building for almost 24 years, close to 25 actually, a giant church of my own design with Legos. And the current project is almost finished actually. Uh, I'll be bringing it home later this week and beginning in a couple weeks uh, on season 25. And what it is, is I've got a mild form of cerebral palsy, so I'm showing no matter what challenge or disability you face, God can still use your talents. So I want to get into that in a minute, but I just want to key in on a phrase you just said, bringing it home. How do you transport one of these things? Uh, a coffee cart, two people, and either an SUV or a truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, currently sitting entry- it's currently sitting at the entryway of uh, my home parish, uh, Christ the Good Shepherd, where I've been doing that display for 20 years now. So uh, as soon as I can bring it home, I'll tear it apart, and then uh, time to start working on the next one, which I'm looking forward to. Very cool. Yeah, those of you who are uh, watching the video stream at sunrisemorningshow.com saw a picture just go up of two guys rolling that thing in on a coffee cart. Uh, you know, it is a, it's such a cool project, um, and, you know, I'll, I'll get into some more of the logistics later, but um, I want to talk you know, to this idea of using Lego, which some people might dismiss like, oh, you're playing with a toy. But there are parents right now who are 
full they've got houses full of like stir crazy children who just want to watch screens like how can like getting into something tactile something where you build where you're creative and where you maybe even engage your faith a little bit be a way to kind of like break out of some of the just doldrums we hit this time of year where christmas is over and lint hasn't started quite yet one of the things i love about lego is you are the only limit that you have is what your imagination can come up with i can spend countless hours sitting at the bricks and using my hands to build something amazing and you have to figure i'm building something that is uh, 47 by 25 by 25 inches whereas a child is going to build something like much more smaller but still that is an accomplishment i just had someone uh, on my twitter feed share a picture of their child building their own lego church which i thought was just amazing so there's always ways that you can encourage children to break out of their comfort zone it may seem overwhelming but at the same time you build it in small bits and over time our bigger creations uh, develop i mean you can do some of this even just with minifigs mix mixing and matching parts uh, I, I pulled up a picture that uh they just showed on our live video stream as well you've managed to figure out a way to make lego knights of columbus even right ah uh, yes there was a, a gentleman who goes by the moniker catholic bricks and he actually showed me how to do that and it involved a file filing down part of the hat sticking the plume in and then using super glue on the capes, which was a challenge. <laughs> but uh, one of the standout things of the project that I do, along with the power chairs and wheelchairs that I have in there as well. Very cool. And, you know, this is really kind of one of the purposes of the project is to not only, you know, explore this creativity, do something tactile and fun that, you know, people can walk into a parish and see the kids can ask about and get excited about, uh, but also to uh, remind people that we need to be doing a better job of including everyone in our parish uh, this time of year. And, you know, this is a time of year where with the weather, it can be very difficult for people with disabilities to get to mass. So what's something maybe that you would want to say to remind people to figure out how to do a better job of including those who may be kind of uh, on the outside when it comes to that kind of thing? Well, from my own experience, I've been fortunate that I've been able to find rides to Mass, but someone may not know uh, who to ask. Uh, some of us are very uncomfortable approaching members of the parish, even if we know them. And I think it's just keeping an open mind the fact that, that there may be a hidden need. There may be someone that you see occasionally come to Mass, and you wonder, well, do they drive or do they don't drive? And just make connections. Talk to those that you know may be having challenges. Uh, even just giving them a ride to, to Mass or even to, like, a church function will go a long way because for some of us, that may be the only time we get out of the house during the week other than for our groceries. You know, it's interesting at the Coming Home Network. I think I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, it is amazing how many people come to us. Uh, it's not a massive number, but it's enough to, you know, make you think. Uh, who are looking for resources for uh, podcasts and for online catechesis and for all these things because they want to become Catholic, but they can't drive uh, for some medical reason or other. And, you know, 
I, I wonder what you might say to people, because there are a lot of people who are listening right now who work at parishes to maybe strategize a better way to to help these people when they contact the parish. Well, from my own experience, some of the roadblocks tend to be regarding the issue of lawsuits and stuff and liability. And I think that one of the best ways to navigate around that would be just to have a list available of people who are interested in volunteering. Let the, let the people who can offer the rides make that decision on their own if that's something that they want to take on. I, I think if we, even if we just had a list or even if you can call the parish office and have a list of names, I think that would go a long way. I think that would probably be the simplest route on, on how to do things versus some kind of national program which I would love to see happen myself. Uh, I mean, even I've run into my own issues sometimes uh, getting the mask when my rides are on vacation. And while I've certainly been blessed, I know that there are others who are struggling in that issue, and I'd like to do more about that if I can. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that in my own parish, there's a little bit of a system in place and sort of a rotation <laughs> of some people who are who are able to do this sort of thing. But, you know, I can't help but think, John, because sometimes you've got to transport gear uh, for people as well, you know, a wheelchair uh, or something. And I bet there are a lot of parents out there who have big vans and their last kid no longer lives at home. And so now they got a big vehicle with more space in it than there used to be. <laughs> I wonder if maybe some of those people might be prime candidates to help out with this kind of thing. I think it would be. I, I certainly feel that that there's always ways to help. And it's also a way to evangelize, too. I know some people who used to give rides to one of the elderly uh, in at where my parents go. Uh, they gave rides to that particular person, and that was the joy of their life. They loved going to the church. They loved going to taking part in the community. And for them, that was that was key. And, and it's always been nice to, to see the reaction on people's faces when they know that, that there are people that are willing to help, uh, which it can be challenging yeah. in this current world. Indeed. Well, if we can't be a church that helps out everybody, then we're, we're falling down on the job somewhere. I would encourage people to go check out prayingbricks.substack.com. There are lots of great things that John is working on. Subscribe to that Substack because uh, there's always cool stuff coming through. Uh, John Kramer from the Lego Church Project. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for uh, doing fun stuff and uh, promoting a, a great aspect of our Catholic faith of, of trying to include everybody at Mass. Thank you. And I am still looking for displays for Season 25. If there are parishes in Saginaw, reach out to me. All right. Awesome. And I'll be watching your Twitter feed for progress on the build. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. It's 14 till. We're back after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. 
Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Television and Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis gave his annual State of the World address to members of the diplomatic corps yesterday, calling for true peace around the world. Also in his address, the Holy Father called for a global ban on surrogate motherhood. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli officials in Tel Aviv today as part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israeli-Hamas war from spreading further in the region. Matt? Next newscast at the top of the hour. I'm Matt Sway. I'm joined now by Father Augustine Weta, a Benedictine monk who's got a book called Pray, Think, Act. It's all about making better decisions with the help of the Desert Fathers. Father Weta, how are you? I'm doing all right. You know, you never know until a couple of weeks later, but so far so good. Yeah, everything makes more sense in retrospect. Uh, and this <laughs> is why we look at the stories of the Desert Fathers that have endured for who knows how long. I wonder if you could share that story with us. The story that I was thinking of was, that an old monk said, the prophets wrote books, then came our fathers and put them into practice, and those who came after them learned them by heart, and then came the present generation, who wrote them out, put them on shelves, and never looked at them again. It's, and it, yeah, it is a big ouch, because, and I think it's particularly apropos to our current situation, because I think we have a tendency to say, like, well, I, I basically, well, to reject what we don't understand, to say, well, I went to Catholic school, or I was an altar boy, um, and so I understand Catholic teaching, and I disagree on this, uh, without ever actually really looking into it. When I was ordained, I actually, I, uh, some people gave me money, which is pretty useless for a monk, but I went to my abbot and asked him if I could buy the Summa Theologica. And then I made a promise to myself that I would not leave my vows until I had finished reading St. Thomas's Summa, because you really can't reject Catholic teaching until you have read all of Thomas Aquinas. And um, 
I'm 50, when I'm 23 years into my monastic vows, I still haven't made it past chapter three. So, so you've technically kept your promise, by the way, of staying in yeah. religious life at least until you fi- finish the summa. <laughs> well, I mean, I figure if I finish the summa, I can at least say, well, okay, now I really have an in-depth knowledge of Catholic teaching. But the thing is, like, I, I think we all have a tendency to think that, like, nobody ever had it as bad as we do, or that the times have never been quite this bad. But uh, we forget that a lot of these decisions that we have to make have been made but before by people. And so uh, going and consulting someone who's older and perhaps has made more mistakes can really help. Of course, all this boils down to obedience, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it boils down to a lot of things. You know, as you're talking about this uh, concept of having lots of these books that were recorded and now we put them on the shelves, and uh, I don't I think it might have been C.S. Lewis who talked about it like as chronological snobbery, like we're, we're the yeah. smartest people because we're here most recently. Uh, so yeah. anybody who came before us is probably not that smart. But I think that also um, betrays kind of, I don't know, a, a certain prejudice as to what we think are in those books because – if all that's in yeah. the, those books is scientific information, then of course it's probably obsolete. It might be interesting to right. see what kind of things people were like looking into, but it turns out that uh, a lot of those books that remain on our shelves are actually uh, wisdom literature, uh, poetry, uh, fiction that understands the human condition in sort of a unique way, uh, <laughs> you know, spiritual direction stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff that talks about what it means to be a human being, and if we just say, well, those people didn't have the internet, so they must not be as smart as me, we're losing a lot. Right. Well, and if you're, I mean, like, a lot of people will say, well, I don't believe in religion, I believe in science. If the whole point of science is that you keep disproving what your predecessors proved, Right. Do you remember an old uh, Saturday Night Live skit by Steve Martin called Theodore of York, Medieval Barber? <laughs> Where he, he, would, he would say something like, you know, a hundred years ago we used to think this disease was caused by fairies. Ha, 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 ha. Now, of course, we know it's caused by gnomes. <laughs> and you, I mean, if you look at the science of 100 years ago, you think, how could they possibly believe some of this stuff? But the but wisdom does not change like that. It doesn't grow obsolete. Yeah, we have a tendency, you're right, to think that just because we're newer, we, we have, we're wiser somehow. There's a great meme it, going around, and I've seen a lot of variations of it, where uh, the caption says, I wish I could go back to previous centuries and blow primitive people's minds with my insane knowledge and then it shows a guy sitting on a rock like a sermon on the mount kind of painting with all these you know sort of yeah. people from first century like saying and he says you know and in my day we had this thing called the television and they're like how do you build one and the guy's like what <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, because we do we yeah, have all these exactly. things but we have no idea how we got them or where they came from we just kind of like run on the fumes of the people who did know how to do this stuff and and then give ourselves credit for being so wise for using their tools. That's right. Yeah, and and then of course there's just the the, the sense that our elders are idiots, which every teenager at some point believes in his heart. St. Louis is the home of Howard Nemirov, who was a great sort of 20th century poet, and I got to go look at his graded papers one afternoon because he taught at one of the local colleges here. And at the top of one of these poetry class 
submissions. He wrote, adolescent angst may come easily to you, but it's boring for the rest of us. <laughs> and I think, I think he's right. I mean, there's nothing to be learned from just scorning your elders. And, of course, every old person was at one point young, so they probably made some of these mistakes that we're making already. Yeah, you teach high schoolers, so you know this. I know this as a dad where, like, you know, sometimes my son will be like, you don't understand what it's like to be in sixth grade. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I yeah, do. Yeah, I do. It was yeah. a rough year, man. It was a rough year. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, John and John Cashin, of course, had this wonderful, he pointed out that Samuel, the great prophet, when he was young, his calling, uh, God speaks to him, but he has him go twice to an elder before he actually reveals himself. First he has to go to Eli, who, by the way, was not a very good prophet. <laughs> and, and twice he says he, that, that only after he had shown obedience to his elders did God then give him the vocation of a prophet. Which I think is pretty insightful. Well, thanks so much, Father Augustine Weta. His book, Pray, Think, Act, is a fantastic read, and it's full of great old monk stories. Check it out. There's a link to it at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got the full hour coming up. I hope you're able to stay with us, some of you, if you're uh, on an affiliate that carries the second hour of the Sunrise Morning Show. We're going to be chatting with all kinds of people. Mike Aquilina is going to talk about the early Christian city of Edessa and the saints that came from there. Steve Ray is going to talk about Lazarus and resurrections in the Bible. We'll also look into the Office of Readings and a selection from St. Basil the Great with Chris McGregor. It's going to be a meaty hour ahead. But we're back after the break. It's three minutes still. Tuesday, the 9th of January. Let's begin this hour by praying a prayer by St. Aelred of Raveau in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may your good sweet spirit descend into my heart and fashion there a dwelling for himself, cleansing it from all defilement, both of flesh and spirit, and pouring into it the increment of faith and hope and love, disposing it to penitence and love and gentleness. May he quench with the dew of his blessing the heat of my desires. And with his power put to death my carnal impulses and fleshly lusts. In labors and in watchings and in fastings, may he afford my fervor and discretion to love and praise thee, to pray and think of thee. And may he give me power and devotion to order every act and thought according to thy will, and also perseverance in these virtues until my life's end. Amen. It is a better way... To start a Tuesday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running at sacredheartradio.com. And uh, actually, sunrisemorningshow.com. Actually, it's probably at both. Uh, but either way, go see what we look like. It's not don't, – don't, don't build your ideas up too too much up this hour anna mitchell has news paul uh well 
I think I already said that, but Mike Aquilina is uh, going to be talking about the ancient Christian city of Edessa. Tim Glimkowski will join us from the Eucharistic Congress. We'll talk to Steve Ray about Lazarus and resurrections in the Bible. And then Chris McGregor uh, from Discerning Hearts will discuss an office of reading selection from the rule of St. Basil the Great. So stay with us if you are able. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Reflecting on the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers. Pope Francis called for true peace around the world as he addressed members of the diplomatic corps accredited to the Holy See in his annual State of the World address yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni has more. Peace, he said, is primarily a gift of God, for it is he who left us his peace. Yet it is also a responsibility incumbent upon all of us. He said he is concerned that the war between Israel and Hamas could spread in the wider Middle East, and he called for a ceasefire on every front, including Lebanon. Modern warfare, the Holy Father said, often does not distinguish between military and civilian objectives, and there is no conflict that does not end up in some way indiscriminately striking the civilian population. The events in Ukraine and Gaza are proof of this, he said. And he reminded the diplomats that grave violations of international humanitarian law are war crimes and that it is not sufficient to point them out, but also necessary to prevent them. He talked about conflicts in Africa and Asia, about the migration crisis in the Mediterranean, in the United States and Latin America. He referred to climate change and he decried the persecution of Christians and religious minorities. There is need for a greater effort on the part of the international community, the Pope said, to defend and implement humanitarian law, which seems to be the only way to ensure the defense of human dignity in situations of warfare. The Pope did not neglect to condemn a resurgence of anti-Semitism, and he upheld dialogue and interreligious dialogue as a crucial element in the pursuit of peace. And noting that peace can only be achieved if the root causes are tackled, he reiterated his proposal to establish a fund where money saved by reducing weapons stockpiles could be channeled into projects to eliminate hunger and tackle poverty. I'm Linda Bordoni. Also in that address, Pope Francis called for a global ban on surrogacy. In his prepared remarks, he described the practice of surrogate motherhood as deplorable. He said a child should not be turned into an object of trafficking. And he says this is a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child. He added that children should not be the basis of a commercial contract. The U.S. bishops released a statement afterwards saying, quote, as Pope Francis stated with surrogacy, an unborn child is turned into an object of trafficking because it exploits the birth mother's material needs and makes the child the product of a commercial contract. This is why the Catholic Church teaches that the practice of surrogacy is not morally permissible. Instead, we should pray for and work towards a world that upholds the profound dignity of every human person at every stage and in every circumstance of life, end quote. In other news, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli officials in Tel Aviv today as part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from spreading further into the region. It's Blinken's fourth trip to the Middle East since the Hamas attacks on October 7th. That led to an all-out war, and now more than 20,000 people have been killed. Millions have been displaced. 
Blinken has vowed to continue to urge Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do more to protect Palestinian civilians and make sure humanitarian aid gets to those who need it. New York City is set to begin enforcement of a 60-day limit migrant families are allowed to stay in shelters. Mayor Adams' administration says this is to create more room as asylum seekers continue to arrive in New York. Migrants are allowed to reapply for shelter. and The mayor insists that migrant families will not sleep on the streets, saying his administration is trying to bring stability. Much of the country is bracing for severe winter weather. Mark Mayfield reports. Over 40 states are under wind, snow, blizzard, or flood alerts as winter storms move across the country. Nine states in the Plains and West were under blizzard warnings on Monday. The storm is going to hit Oregon, New Mexico, Idaho, Washington, Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Kansas. Overnight into tomorrow, the snow will start to impact Chicago, Milwaukee, and Wisconsin. This comes as there's a possibility of flash flooding and tornadoes from Texas to Florida. Flooding in the Northeast may begin on Tuesday from Virginia to Maine. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Michigan Wolverines are the college football playoff national champions. Michigan defeated Washington 34-13 in the championship game in Houston, earning their first national title since 1997. And a lunar lander mission is being scrapped after suffering a critical malfunction less than a day after launch. Astrobotic Technology was trying to become the first private company to land on the moon, but the Peregrine spacecraft was hit with propulsion issues shortly after launch yesterday, keeping the vehicle from charging its batteries and causing a fuel leak. Now, Matt, you know what I want to know out of this story? Do you know what, what was? Want to know? Do you know what was on this uh, this rocket? This like what were they going to send to the moon? What was the the parcel, the package? Do you know? Uh. It wasn't a monkey, was it? No. The cremated remains of dozens of people who were going to have a quote-unquote space funeral. Okay, so I got tweeted at about this this morning. I think you might have two oh. from uh, Dr. Felix over at the Catholic Medical Association no, no saying idea. that, like, on Twitter today. you should check it out. Um, and maybe it's a good opportunity as he puts it in his tweet, to review why the church thinks about uh, the remains of human beings differently than maybe some other people think about how to treat human remains. Yeah. Maybe this is... No. Well, I actually, I already have a topic for Father Philip Michael Tangora tomorrow, but... Mm-hmm. We gotta find... This is more like... It's, well, it's, there's some overlap here between bioethics and canon law. Yeah. Um, some yeah. overlap. Maybe. I wonder if but also, Chad would there's some overlap this. in philosophy and anthropology here, yeah. too. Maybe get like seven people on to talk about this. We just need like, yeah, a big panel discussion. A panel. 12 person. Yep. A 35 person panel. A synod. <laughs> it's nine minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and from fathersofthechurch.com, we're joined now by Mike Aquilina, who's been going through various cities that are of major importance in early church history. Today, we get to talk about Edessa. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. Well, first of all, where is Edessa? 
Well, it's in a place that people don't usually associate with early Christianity, but it was a vibrant center of early Christianity. We're talking about Asia Minor. It, it wasn't terribly far from Cappadocia and some of the other lands, but Edessa usually doesn't get a lot of notice because it was a borderland between the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire. Now, people, for a lot of reasons, tend to identify uh, the, the Christianity with the Roman Empire. They think that, that uh, you know, one was, was in the other, that the Christians were fighting their battles against the, the Roman Empire, and they were persecuted by the Roman Empire. That's true, but it's not the only place on, uh, on, on earth where, 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 um, where Christians were persecuted. They were persecuted also by the other great empire, the Persian Empire. Uh, the Persians didn't trust Christians. They didn't. They, you know, they had their own religion, and they believed that Christians were uh, were spies for the Romans. Uh, you know, today you'll you'll hear people uh, make this mistake in identification. Even as great a writer, a Catholic writer as Hilaire Belloc said that the faith is Europe, and Europe is the faith, and he says it many times in. Um, in his books, um, you know, he says, Europe is the church, and the church is Europe. The faith is Europe, and Europe is the faith. So he's identifying Christianity with Europe. But as you and I have, have realized, that it wasn't just Europe. You know, we talked about um, about the, the, the great influence that the African lands had on the development of early Christianity. And, you know, if we're going to be honest, and if we're going to understand the dynamics of early Christianity and its development, we have to acknowledge that the Persian lands were also involved in this, and they played a very important role in the development of earliest Christianity. So, Edessa had a hard time of it. Being a borderland, sometimes they were Persian, sometimes they were Roman, and it's one of these, these, these places, these cities that get batted back and forth you know it's like a match of tennis with this with the lives of these people it, it it got batted back and forth negotiated back and forth between the persians and the romans you watch some of those time lapse maps of you know that part of the world and see how the borders shifted and how radically they shifted and how often they shifted but i would imagine that if the romans have their own kind of sort of theological and political persuasions and the Persians have their own theological and political persuasions. There are things about Christianity that would make a certain sense to a Roman mind, and there were certain would be certain things that would make sense to a Persian mind. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I wonder what kinds of things come out of the Christianity that survives in Edessa. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. There's, you know, one thing that they they had going for them, the Christians in Edessa, was that was that the language spoken by Edessans was uh, Syriac, and Syriac was a, a close cousin of the language spoken by Jesus himself. It's a it was a close cousin of the Aramaic that was spoken in Palestine at the time of Christ. Uh, so you have um, you you have this uh, affinity towards Semitic culture. There was an understanding of Semitic religion in in Edessa that you just don't get anywhere else. So we read the the, the writings of the, the Syriac fathers. Uh, Ephraim comes to mind, 
and Afrahat comes to mind, and, and you find that it's a very Jewish Christianity. It has the feel of, of uh, the history of Israel. It has an understanding of the, the history of Israel and a, a certain ownership of it. So many of these, these early Edessan Christians were probably Jews, and they were very intelligent, very informed Jews. They had, they had an understanding of, uh, of biblical history. And so that's something that contributed to the development there. And Ephraim, it said, wrote thousands of hymns. And these hymns are just shot through with his understanding of the Old Testament and its typology pointing forward to the New Testament. So Edessa is, uh, is just tremendously valuable in the literary history and, uh, and, and other aspects of history, too, of the Christian church. Well, you mentioned Ephraim, the Syrian, doctor of yeah. the church, and Afrahat. Anybody else we should know from that area? Well, you know, the super celebrity is St. Jude. St. Jude. Uh, you know, uh, he's... He's got all the devotion these days. It's a 20th century phenomenon. But, there, you know, in the last century, there was an explosion of devotion to Jude as the patron of, uh, of difficult cases, lost causes, however you want to say it. Uh, so there is a lot of devotion to Jude. And it's said that Jude founded the church there. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't the, the first one to, to evangelize Edessa because in the account of it that we have, his arrival there, uh, we we see that there were already Christians there. And what he did was he gathered them together and he, and he took the most mature of them, their, their men, and he, um, he ordained them to the priesthood because you can't have a church uh, until you have the mass. So he really founded the church in Edessa, even though he wasn't the first to evangelize it. So yeah, I'd, I'd point to St. Jude as the, the first Christian super celebrity there. You know, you have one of the apostles evangelizing your city. Well, you've got a lot more to say about Edessa, and uh, you've got a podcast at catholicculture.org on your Way of the Father's work that you've been doing, which Dr. Jim Papandrea has also now taken up. Uh, and we've got catholicculture.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com so people can check that out. But if listeners want to find uh, your work, your books, uh, and the things that you've done to help explore and explain the early history of the church, how do they find you? Well, the best place to find my books at the best price is catholicbooksdirect.com, catholicbooksdirect.com. My own website is fathersofthechurch.com. It's all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Mike, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on, Matt. All right, it's 16 past. We're back right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Fierce Athlete Podcast features female athletes being raw and real about the joys and struggles of life, both on and off the field, and how faith can both heal our wounds and reveal true beauty. You can hear Fierce Athlete as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio and click Podcast Central today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis gave his annual State of the World address to members of the diplomatic corps credited to the Holy See, calling for true peace around the world. He also called in that address for a global ban on surrogacy. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with Israeli officials in Tel Aviv today as part of his effort to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from spreading further in the region. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I want to point out for those who either get to hear Daily Mass on the radio or get to attend Daily Mass in person, uh, the responsorial psalm today will not come from the Book of Psalms. Ah. Uh, actually, it comes from the Book of First Samuel, and it contains lines like, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in my God. The bow, the bows of the mighty are broken, while the tottering gird on strength. Well, gee, the well-fed hire familiar. themselves out for bread, while the hungry batten on spoil. Uh, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles. He also exalts. This is the song of Hannah, mm-hmm. who had prayed for a child and through miraculous circumstances is granted one. And those words may sound familiar because they are echoed, uh, some of those same phrases, but in her own words, by Our Lady in the Magnificat Who knew her uh, when she meets uh, Elizabeth at the visitation. So if some of the things that you hear in the responsorial psalm today sound familiar, but just slightly different, it's because this is the uh, part of the inspiration for Mary's Magnificat we hear in First Samuel. And so we, uh, we start getting the early life of Samuel in the readings leading up to this weekend. I was looking ahead to Sunday Mass. And it's uh, the calling of Samuel in the first reading on Sunday. Now, that's a fun one. Yep. The calling of Samuel is definitely The Lord a fun calls one. all of us by name, in fact. Indeed, he does. And uh, not to spoil it too much, but uh, there's a here I am Lord moment in the mix. Mm-hmm. So, but you can always check out the daily mass readings. There's a bunch of different ways to do them. I always just go to the USCCP because they've got the text for everybody, but there are all kinds of apps Hello. I got my Magnificat right here. Magnificat and such. Read the daily mass readings. They are worth your time. It's 21 past. Your mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Lord Jesus, who loves us so much, we have not loved you as we easily might have, nor served you enough in our neighbor as we could have. We are truly sorry for this unfaithful love and promise to do better in the future. Because you accept everything that we do in God's grace, when done in a spirit of love and obedience, as reparation, we now offer you and your heart our every thought, word, deed, and suffering in union with your own sufferings. Join our reparation to that which you ceaselessly offer to the Father in the Mass and in the silence of the tabernacle. Help us to suffer lovingly and to aid those who suffer. Make your redemptive love fruitful in the hearts of all those who will die today, so that all of us may love you forever in heaven. Amen. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Tim Glimkowski, CEO of the National Eucharistic Congress. Tim, welcome back. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for being here. So we flipped the calendar to 2024, and so the National Eucharistic Congress is is really coming into to full view now. It's only about six months away at this point. And so plans really starting to firm up as a result, I think. What are the latest updates you have to report? Yeah, big updates was last week we launched day passes and weekend passes. So one of the big things we've been trying to push on as hard as possible is to make this an accessible and affordable opportunity for anyone who wants to come. And so even if, you know, there's just a short window of time, uh, maybe just a weekend or something that, you know, for me with four young kids, I've always felt like, uh, you know, maybe four nights in a hotel would be tough to swing or, or, mm-hmm. or something. And um, we really think this opens wide the doors to Christ is the way we've been saying it a little bit. So that's programming updates. If you go to the website now, you're going to see a lot more about some of the program and the talks and the sessions, revival sessions, those evenings that's kind of dropping soon so a lot of exciting stuff getting out there so obviously the the specific events and speakers are going to be different from from day to day but tim what will the average day look like in general at the eucharistic congress yeah we see the whole point of this event as life transformation for the individuals who come and then really renewal of the whole church um you know, through sending Eucharistic missionaries back into parishes, but even just as a spiritual moment for sort of the attendees, almost stand in proxy for the Church of the United States and invite, you know, with the bishops, uh, renewal and revival across the United States. And so each day is oriented toward that journey. Um, uh, so whether whatever the theme is for the day, morning sessions, the encounter sessions really unpack the theme for the day um, in a way to kind of open our eyes to the reality and the truth um, that's there, the afternoon sessions are really about equipping, um, equipping us as Eucharistic missionaries, and a lot of those tracks are being uh, kind of partnered with by some of our key sponsors 
the Augusta Institute, Relevant Radio, uh, OSV, and I took Columbus, Catholic University of America. So really neat kind of stuff we're collaborating with them on. And then uh, every evening is going to be everyone in the stadium all together for what we call revival sessions, which are um, chances to not just encounter an idea, but a person. So there's really kind of a, a powerful pedagogy that is, is behind the whole thing that I think people are going to be really struck and challenged by. Um, and, and I don't think anyone's going to leave unchanged. So if there are folks who want to get day passes, can they, will they be able to, I don't know, kind of look at the schedule of who's speaking and what the themes are for each day? So if there's some flexibility on their part as to what day they can come, they could choose, you know, based on you know, their favorite speaker or their favorite topic. Yeah, that was kind of some of the thought of, of really launching those two things concurrently, making sure that when we were launching day passes, we had enough clarity on the program so they could do exactly what you just said. Say, boy, Friday's topic is healing, you know, and, and that's healing individually, but also corporately, you know, for the, the, the church and the world. And so I, I really don't want to miss that day. And Sister Josephine Garrett's keynote that night. So uh, you can see all Sister that right Josephine's now. Sister Josephine's going to be talking about healing? Yeah, she is oh, in the stadium man. that night. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What are some of the other themes that uh, that will be uh, illuminated during the during the Congress? Uh, the Thursday, that, that full day is really, you know, Wednesday's kind of a welcome, like opening ceremony session in the stadium that night. And the Thursday's encounter is the theme. And so it's focused on really the story of salvation history and, and what God has done in Jesus that sort of underpins everything. Like we can't know you know, what or the what or how of the church until we really reconnect with its why, which we call the kerygma, you know, ministry mm-hmm. circles, the gospel, and that's really the focus of the day. And then Saturday is on the communion of the church in a really powerful way. There's some incredible speakers sort of unpacking that theme, and there's a citywide Eucharistic procession. So the weekend will feel that way, right? Like the weekend's going to feel almost like, so this is somewhere between World Youth Day and Seek, right? It's got nice. a little bit of World Youth Day, and it's got a little bit of Seek to it. And so the weekend is going to feel kind of like that World Youth Day sort of pinnacle, climactic, you know, um, type moments. And so um, there's going to be some real high points there. And then Sunday's really on the missionary sending, and it ends with uh, um, the Vatican is sending a, a papal delegate to, to, for that final mass. And we hope to have more information on who that might, that might be soon. We, we think we might know who it, be, who it is. Cool. Well, we'll just leave that as a little tease for a, a future segment with you all. And just quickly, uh, will there be opportunities for Eucharistic adoration and confession during this time, too? St. John the Evangelist is a church across the street, seats about 1,000. I think it's one of the oldest churches in Indiana. That's yeah. our adoration chapel. So the Ooh. CMSWR sisters, all the Habited sisters, are running programming with Father Rick Nagel, the local pastor there, and Rose Sullivan from NCDVD, and um, Father Pat Beetleman, we have this whole group who's sort of organizing. That'll be like, regu- you know, they'll be like, hey, come come chant evening prayer with the sisters. A you know, so, thousand-seat church is going to be the Eucharistic the chapel. Adoration the Adoration yeah. Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. Unbelievable. Where can listeners get more information, Tim? EucharisticCongress.org. It's all there. Awesome. We got that linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us this morning. So good. Yeah, God bless you. You too. Thank you very much, Tim. And uh, we've got about a minute before we got to get to the news here. And I thought I would bring up today the feast, the the anniversary of the death of Blessed Pauline Marie Jericho, who in the 1800s in Lyon, France, which 
in France, the 1800s were not a good time for the Catholic Church. Much, 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 much persecution. And she lived during the Napoleonic period, uh, was inspired to found the what now is known as the Pontifical Society of the Propagation of the Faith, Propaganda Fidei, which seeks to send missionary priests to the far reaches of the world. And she's just a young girl. I mean, she was wealthy, wanted to uh, use that money for a good cause, like sending priests to areas of the world that didn't know God. Blessed Pauline, pray for us. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Reflecting on the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, Pope Francis called for true peace around the world as he addressed members of the diplomatic corps accredited to the Holy See in his annual State of the World Address, as it's known. He made another appeal for disarmament in his address, saying how many lives could be saved with the resources that today are misdirected to weaponry. He said invest those resources in the pursuit of genuine global security. And he reiterated a proposal for a global fund to eliminate hunger, promote sustainable development worldwide. The Holy Father used the address to decry conflicts around the world, including in the Holy Land, Ukraine, Syria, Lebanon, Myanmar, as well as Armenia. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov has more on that. During Pope Francis's annual address to the diplomatic court to the Holy See, the Holy Father once again lamented the tense situation in the South Caucasus between Armenia and Azerbaijan, and in particular, the dramatic situation of refugees. He also called for the signing of a peace agreement to ease the ongoing suffering. The Pope appealed for negotiations that respect international law and religious diversity. While peace agreements are under consideration between Azerbaijan and Armenia, the border crisis in the South Caucasus is obstructing advancement. In the past 30 years, the South Caucasus neighbors have fought two wars over Nagorno-Karabakh, but staged a prisoner exchange last month and issued a joint statement saying they want to normalize relations and reach a peace deal. Both countries have expressed through senior officials openness to pursuing such a peace agreement. In September, Azerbaijan's forces mounted a lightning offensive to retake control of Azerbaijan's Karabakh region, whose ethnic Armenian population had broken away in a war in the 1990s. The year the European Union has insisted that Azerbaijan ensure freedom and security of movement along the Lakin Corridor in line with the November 9, 2022 trilateral declaration signed by Russia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. EU officials have warned that blocking the corridor causes significant hardship to the local population and could lead to a serious humanitarian emergency. Azerbaijan has denied blocking the Sol Road that links Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia. In late 2020, Armenia and Azerbaijan fought a six-week war over the region, which claimed over 6,500 lives. I'm Deborah Kesselana-Lubov. Also in his address to the diplomatic corps, Pope Francis called for a global ban on surrogacy. In his prepared remarks yesterday, he described the practice of surrogate motherhood as deplorable, saying a child should not be turned into an object of trafficking. And this is a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child. He added, children should not be the basis of a commercial contract. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is meeting with officials in Tel Aviv today as part of the U.S. effort to prevent the Israel-Hamas war from spreading further into the region. 
It's Blinken's fourth trip to the Middle East since Hamas carried out a wave of deadly attacks inside Israel on October 7th, which led to an all-out war that has killed well over 20,000 and displaced millions. Blinken has vowed to continue to urge Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do more to protect Palestinian civilians and make sure that humanitarian aid gets to those who need it. A strong winter storm system is bringing dangerous weather to much of the U.S. It dumped snow across the plains and into the Midwest yesterday. Today, the storm heads to the east coast, where it will bring strong winds to the mid-Atlantic and northeast. Power outages are likely in some areas. At least two inches of rain could fall from Florida to Maine, with more than 85 million people under flood watches. Both United and Alaska Airlines said yesterday they found loose bolts during inspections of its 737 MAX 9 fleet. Mark Mayfield has more. The inspections came after a door plug was blown out of an Alaska Airlines plane over the weekend. United said these findings will be remedied by our tech ops team to safely return the aircraft to service. Alaska Airlines issued a statement saying technicians saw some loose hardware visible on some planes, although a formal inspection has not yet begun. Hundreds of Alaska Airlines passengers still remain stranded after the FAA regrounded all Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft. I'm Mark Mayfield. At least 21 people have been injured in an apparent gas explosion at a downtown hotel in Fort Worth, Texas. The fire department responded to the hotel following the explosion, which blew a large hole in the lower part of the building. That's the news. It's 35 past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. We all recognize that last words can be very important. This is true for the patriarch Jacob. Near the end of his long life, Jacob makes these remarks to his children. He says, since I'm about to be taken to my kindred, bury me with my fathers in the land of Canaan. There Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried, and there too I buried Leah. Those words might go unnoticed by a casual reader of the Bible, but we should remember that for Jacob to even speak the name of Leah is itself an indication of a profound change within him. Through all his life, Jacob spoke of Rachel, his beloved Rachel and her sons, Joseph and Benjamin. His other sons recognized that Joseph was the favored one, just as his mother was the favored one. It shows that Jacob was finally turning towards gratitude and graciousness to God. It's interesting when the the story of his life concludes, we read, When Jacob had finished giving these instructions to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed. His journey is over, and he has made that journey well. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear.
The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com, and this is our Stuff in the Bible series where we take a look at themes or items or objects or principles that occur in the Scripture over and over again. Today, we get to talk about Lazarus and resurrections. Steve, good morning. Good morning. I, I was calculating, Matt. We've done over 150 of these shows since we started. That's pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, today is going to be one of those topics that really sort of ties the whole Bible together, the idea of resurrection. Now, uh, the most famous resurrection in the Bible is the one on which uh, our entire Christian faith is based, namely that of Jesus. But there are some others. Uh, they are uh, similar but different in nature, right? Yes, Jesus is different because he raised himself from the dead. <laughs> it was the work of the Trinity, but he rose, he, by his own power, came back alive again, which destroyed the works of the devil and death, and also uh, he will never die again. Where all the other resurrections, those people will die again. Like Lazarus, for example, he rose from the dead and he was very happy, but he's going to die a second time. So uh, physically, so th that was the uniqueness of Jesus, is when he rose from the dead, he destroyed death. He raised himself, in a sense, from the dead. He said, I will raise up this temple in three days, and that's exactly what he meant, the temple of his body. So, but the other ones, they will all die again, but they were all based on the power of God and, 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 and the some of the times in the Old Testament prophets and in the New Testament, the apostles. But they were raised from the dead, and they'll die again, but it's still a demonstration of God's power. And uh, yeah. once we get closer to the Easter season, we're going to be talking a lot more about that line in the Apostles' Creed about how we believe in the resurrection of the body. I mean, that Jesus really did rise uh, in the body, but he's, uh, again— the model for us all. There are other stories in the scriptures, and some people may know some of these. Some people might not know all of these. Let's talk about uh, one that's actually, uh, interestingly enough, connected to the idea of relics and what we think about them. Uh, it comes from Second Kings. Right, and this is a really interesting story, and when I did my movie on Elijah and Elisha, we had some fun with this one. Um, it says that when uh, Elisha had died, and they had buried him. Obviously, his body had decayed because the only the bones were left. And there was a battle that the Israelites were having with the Moabites, and they were attacking Israel. And a man got killed. They didn't have time to bury him because they were running away from the enemy. And the Israelites just took this man, this dead soldier, and they threw his corpse into a grave. And the grave happened to be that of Elisha. And when his dead corpse hit the bones of Elijah, the man came back alive and jumped up and ran away with the other guys. So here you have the bones. Even though his Elisha's, uh, Elisha's body is dead and decayed, the bones are just laying there, uh, bare bones. Yet when that dead body hit those bones, they had the power to raise that guy from the dead, the corpse cold corpse got up and walked away. So that is a very interesting one because it shows that God can use things like bones or oil or water or other items. He can use those things for our spiritual good. So this is one of the great foundations the Catholic Church uses for relics. Well, and I've known of many stories, and I've even met a person who um, had a attributed officially church-approved miracle <laughs> that came from them being deathly ill, and someone brought them 
in contact with the remains of a saint and they bounced right back. Now it's not magic and it doesn't work every time. It actually doesn't even work most of the time, but it's worked enough times to make me pay attention, Steve. Yes. And you know, one time I was giving a talk and I was at a church and I was, and our family has bad backs every once in a while they go out on us. And I was carrying a box of books up the stair, up steps to into the church and my back went out and I fell down on those steps and I couldn't get up. The guys that were there had a relic of the true cross just like the bones here, but the relic of the true cross. They came and put it on my back, and they prayed for me, and I got up pain-free. I gave the talk, and as soon as the talk was over, I fell right back on the floor again. It was a miraculous thing that that relics of that cross and those prayers made me so I could stand up and talk for two hours. But as soon as I got done, (laughs) I was right back again. It was very interesting. I'll never doubt the power of of relics and the power of, of prayer. All right, now let's. We talked about Elisha. Let's talk about Elijah. Uh, there's actually some interesting stuff related to him, and uh, there's not just one. Yeah, he the, both Elijah and his protege Elisha raised dead pe- people from the dead. Both of them did, and it, it's kind of like a prefiguration of of Christ coming and raising from the dead because he did that as well. And you look at these Old Testament accounts. So Elijah. There was a woman that had given him a, um, a, a, the Lord. Uh, let's just say this young man died, and the mistress of the house, I should say, died, and it was so severe that the breath left him. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the child came back. It was her son. The child came back to life. Elisha had the same thing. I got the two mixed up there at the beginning. Elisha was given a room in a house by a lady who had um, very generous to him. But the child lay dead in the bed, and when he came, the child was dead. He laid on the child, put his hands on his hands, and and it stretched out over him, and the warmth came back to the boy, and the boy opened his eyes. So Elijah and Elisha both raised young people from the dead once they were dead. And, you know, Paul, later, it's a similar situation. One of my favorites is... Paul is preaching. He he didn't. They didn't sleep at night. They just kept preaching and preaching. And this young man was sitting in the window on the third floor, and they had. It says they had candles going, so it was very warm, and it got late, and about midnight, Paul was still preaching and teaching in this room, and the boy fell out the window three stories down and died. Paul ran down, laid on him the same kind of thing as he laid on him, and he prayed for him, and the young man he came back to life, and his name was Eutychus, by the way and went back up, and then Paul preached the rest of the night and, got, and then took off for travels in the morning. This is why it was hard to follow St. Paul, by the way. He, he didn't sleep well, a Well, I mean, lot. you just talked about how you talked for two hours. I'm surprised that didn't happen to you, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wondered, you know, if, if this has even happened on some of those pilgrimages that you do where you're out talking and it's hot and uh, people have been walking around and haven't oh. had enough water. If you, I don't know. I mean, that, that's not the... I'd get real first aid and jet uh, lag. just in case, but uh, yeah. <laughs> jet lag. We've had that happen, uh, yeah. I imagine so. I want to go uh, back to one more Old Testament story uh, while we got time because I remember as a kid singing uh, the the dim bones song, right? The head bone connected to the yeah. neck bone, the neck bone connected to the backbone. Yeah. A lot of people may know that song, may not know there's a biblical basis for that song. Yes, it comes out of the book of Ezekiel, the head bone connected to the uh, shoulder backbone, the backbone connected to the thigh bone. It goes on and on like that. But uh, um, 
and it's a great black spiritual when you get a great uh, choir singing that it's quite thrilling but it, it is it comes from ezekiel 37 and this is where the development of the whole idea of bodily resurrection be, was becoming very prominent in jewish theology god god reveals things to us over time and this is one of those great passages and it said that the lord set him down in the middle of a valley of dry bones dead people bones everywhere like a big graveyard and he god says to him can these bones Bones live. He said, only you know, Lord. And he said, prophesy over these bones and say, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the bones all started clanking and banging together and flesh came on them and they got up and, and they became real human beings again. So this was a, a, a kind of a picture of the end times when all of the dead bones in the graves around the world, they're all going to be raised again. Can these bones breathe again? And you know, Lord, and we do know because that's what the creed tells us at the, at the end of time. There would be a resurrection of the dead and life in the world to come. And this goes back to something Anna Mitchell and I were talking about sending, you know, in regard to sending those remains to space. <laughs> you know, it matters yeah. how we treat our bodies because of, uh, you know, the fact that uh, we were baptized in them and confirmed in those bodies, and we were married in those bodies, and those bodies will rise again. But Steve Ray, yeah. if our listeners want to connect with you yeah. and find out more about uh, your writings, your, your pilgrimages, and more, how do they do so? CatholicConvert.com. Talk to you next week, Matt. Sounds great, Steve. Have a great day. All right. Chris McGregor joins us next. It is 14 till. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius and inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Bible in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is coming soon to Catholic Radio. Encounter God's voice and learn how to live life through the lens of Scripture with a new episode every day. I hope you'll join me as we discover how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, starting Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you doing today? I am doing fine. So happy to get to talk to you. It's first time in the new year. Happy New Year. Thank you. And to you as well and all the listeners out there. And I hope the ones that are in the Midwest, like myself, are staying warm in the middle of the snowstorm. Yeah, yeah. Praying for all your safety as well. And so today's selection from the Office of Readings is a passage from the Detailed Rule for Monks by St. Basil the Great, or do you say Basil the Great? I say Basil. Basil, I do too. Okay, so he is a particular favorite of mine because his feast day is my birthday. Tell us about this saint and the rule that he wrote. Okay, well, now he's even more of my favorite. (laughs) You're kind. (laughs) Because he shares a birthday with you. Well, he, he was born in the 330. AD and he died in 379 so it gives you a sense that he's one of the few that are called the greats mm-hmm. and there's a good reason for that the rule that you just spoke of the detailed rule for monks has been used as part of the structure part of the basis for even the rule of saint benedict wow. it's a little it's much more detailed than the rule of saint benedict but uh, it contains so much wonderful beautiful instruction and that's one of the reasons why the office of readings is so great because now the whole universal church is reflecting on his teaching today. Yeah, they get a little bit of a taste of of this rule for monks. And, you know, Chris, when we think of rules, I think we often picture them as these restrictions that are imposed upon us um, in like this sort of like dictatorial fashion. But but Basil clearly sees sees things differently here. I mean, I should really say Christians see things differently when we think of rules. We should. Aren't we grateful that every day the sun comes up at a particular time? Mm, the yeah. the uh, wind will blow, the seasons change. There's a rule that governs our existence in the world. And we would be lost if chaos descended and the sun didn't come up and we didn't have the evening to sleep, if we didn't have structure and order. It, it's actually a tremendous gift that God gives us to be able to help keep balance in our life. And that's essentially what a rule does and the ordering of things. And they all have its origins within the very love and heart of God. Right. And that very love and heart of God is imprinted in us who are made in his image and after his likeness. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when you read this passage in the Office of Readings from Basil the Great, this rule is really rooted in love. It all is. Right. Because it love by its very nature is, is what the Trinity is. It, it needs to be shared. It's not a static thing. It's a, it, when you, uh, by the very nature that the God is love, according to St. John, it, of course, he is love gives. And so it, by sharing, he, of course, the son, because it, he, he loves and so he gives. And then here's the son and the son in his response, because he is love, responds back. And it's the great giving back and forth. And we hear about about it in the book of Genesis, reflection, how the father, he gives, 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 and then he gives it all away. He creates, 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 and then gives, gives more. And all we are called to receive 
And by our nature, because we are created in his image, we too, as St. Basil will emphasize, it is something innate in us Mm -hmm. to love. It's by our very nature we are to to love. And so he kind of outlines for us uh, how how that plays out. He says, first, let me say that we have already received from God the ability to fulfill all his commands. We have then no reason to resent them as if something beyond our capacity were being asked of us. We have no reason either to be angry as if we had to pay back more than we had received. When we use this ability in a right and fitting way, we lead a life of virtue and holiness. But if we misuse it, we fall into sin. This is the definition of sin, he says, the misuse of powers given us by God for doing good, a use contrary to God's commands. I mean, you get the the sense here, Chris, that that God's commands, God's rules are meant for our freedom, our freedom to choose the good. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And the the problem that we fall into is that oftentimes, as he will point out, there are many things that appear pleasing to the eye and may seem to be a good, mm-hmm. but what it may not necessarily be so. How do we know what a good is? We know by its by it, it is something that is uh, it a good is the ability to give to others and to uplift and to share with others. And by that very action, imitating God in giving, giving kindness, um, bearing with one another, helping one another, making sure that others are taken care of. And then in turn, they should be doing that to us as well, hopefully, but you don't expect it, right? But you would then receive it and then that back and forth within a community, that unselfishness, that 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 giving of the other, it creates a society in a world where there is peace, there is harmony, there is structure, there is order. Where it gets disjointed is when we begin to claim things for the self. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take. I want that. That seems pleasing to me. And then it becomes disordered. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And just to close us out here um, on a high note, uh, he he begins by saying that he, he wants to try to fan into flame the spark of divine love that is hidden within you as far as I am able through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Chris, I think that this last paragraph of, of the reading today does just that. Yeah, the little flower taught us that. You want to cultivate love? Do it in the little things by loving others. There's nothing more beautiful than her little flower. And uh, the, the world can be filled with that if we imitate that type of giving. Love that you mentioned the little flower because her birthday is on the feast of St. Basil the Great. Did you know that? Oh, my goodness. Well, there seems to be all these connections, isn't there? I know it. I know it. Well, you can go read more from St. Basil the Great in the Office of Readings and encourage you to go check out all of the great resources that are over at Chris's site, discerninghearts.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you so much. God bless you, my dear. Stay warm and dry. Thank you. You too, for sure. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow, EWTN.
May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.